This week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer is sponsored by Westworld FM, the latest podcast from the Midwest Podcast Network. Westworld FM seeks to dissect the latest episode of HBO's Westworld TV series every week. Join Alex and Nick as they take a deep dive into the latest TV show from producers Jonathan Nolan and J.J. Abrams. New episodes of the podcast are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more the day after the TV show airs. Check out the show at westworld.fm or search for Westworld FM on your favorite podcasting service. And thank you to Westworld FM and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter, and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can like us on the Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And this week on the podcast, I'm joined with returning guest, uh, Robert Feckus. Hello. Hey. And today, what are we talking about? We are talking about Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Nice. Yes, we are. That is that is what we're talking about. <laughs> but first, uh, we're going to do our, our regular like news segment, and then we'll get to our spoiler-free review of Fantastic Beasts, and then we'll round out the episode with Potpourri, which is a section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want that we've watched recently. Uh, but first, at the top of this podcast, I just want to say that me and tiny our regular co-host who is not here today um we are going to be at starbase indy this weekend um it's the sunday after thanksgiving uh, here in indianapolis uh for a panel on sunday morning called development hell uh it's going to be a lot of fun we do it every year we'll be go there every year and we're on a panel every year so it's a lot of fun go check it out starbaseindy.com for more details so feckus how's it going it's going well it's good nice. well uh everything good with work and everything yeah sure good we had some talk off the air um that's not relevant <laughs> um so uh so i want to get into news but real quick i okay this is i might not even include this in the in the final episode but as a listener of the obsessive viewer i have some questions for you um just for feedback because we're closing in on episode 200 <laughs> yeah this is episode 194 and uh, I just I like I've been thinking about it in my head, and I've been overthinking it because I'm Matt Hurt. And uh, my question is: Do you do you like the format of the show? Is there anything that you would change as a listener? I like the format a lot. I don't know that I would change yeah. anything. Um, no, I don't know. I I enjoy it. It's good listening. Okay, good. It's it's. I put you on the spot completely. You did. I'm um, out of here. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> the the kind of the main. The main thing that I'm thinking about changing is the sensor, the sensor beeps. Um, I don't know. It's spark- going to go R rated on this. I don't, I think, I don't know. What, what a, think of the children. I know all the little, the little shits that are listening to this <laughs> podcast. Um, see, I don't know if I'll keep that in or <laughs> well, you should bleep it. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't, I was thinking after episode 200, we might drop the sensor beeps, but I don't know if you're, li- what, 
listening to this now, uh, send me a message or tweet me or something and let me know what you think. Um, it's all irrelevant. I don't know. Anyway, like I said, this might not make the final cut. Um, <laughs> me and Tiny had a like 15 minute long discussion about the election last week that I was like, I'm, I'm oh, yeah, I'm not going to put it in the episode. Screw well, so, it. So I think everyone's pretty much done hearing me about it too. Yep, I was getting tired just listening to us talk about right. it. Right. And I was like, like we did it at the top of the episode, and then I was going to cut it and put it as the tag on the episode at the end, just so if people don't want to hear it, they can just turn off. And then I got it all edited and got it ready to go, and I was about to hit export, and I was like, it's a couple weeks away. It's a couple weeks back. It's it's not relevant anymore. Screw it. I'll, we're done. Um, so I cut it. So yeah. Good, anyway. good call. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that you approve of me cutting stuff out of the podcast. <laughs> That's politics. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, uh, let's go into the reason why people are listening to this episode, uh, actual movie and TV discussion. Uh, so we have a few news items here. And Mr. Feckus, Officer Feckus. Oh, um, <laughs> officer's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so dumb. <laughs> um, the first the first piece of news we have is that there's going to be an Inhumans TV show from Marvel. And this is after, uh, I believe in um, Phase 3, it was supposed to be um, an Inhumans movie. And then that was taken off the schedule. And then now it's coming as a TV show, which I, granted, I haven't seen... Um, I have. I'm not current with Agents, Agents of, Shield. of Shield. Yeah, but I, yeah. but I've seen the Inhuman storylines in it, and that's if they're going to branch off it's from that. It's almost. Uh, I'm one episode behind, and to be honest, mm-hmm. I'm I'm almost to the point where I'm going to. And it's not that I don't like the show. It's mm-hmm. just it's kind of wearing thin. Sure. But it, it it's become Inhumans. Like it's. it's okay. it, I feel like it's no longer Agents of Shield. It's like uh, Inhumans uh, and co-starring Agents of Shield. Okay. That's a bummer. The and we don't need to get into spoilers, but I remember I think the character's name is Luke, the inhuman guy that Daisy was all like, Oh, let's you know, let's 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 hook up. Are you talking about the lightning guy? I that was Lincoln. Lincoln. I think it was Lincoln that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh yeah, I just I did not like that character at all. <laughs> well, he um, he eventually goes nowhere, so Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it the whole the whole thing was not uh, to my liking i think that's one of the reasons why i dropped off from watching it because i was just like i i don't care enough about what's going on to to make it a week-to-week thing it held my interest for a while and i was i was curious with the ghost rider um mm-hmm. but uh, i don't know he he really didn't grab me like i was hoping to okay i guess i don't know sure so this in inhumans tv show it's gonna be its own its own series and it's going to have an IMAX screening for the premiere. Um, what do you think about that? Do, is that something that'll make you at least interested in checking that out? Or how are you with the Inhumans? Are you interested in them? At I, all? Well, I don't read the Inhumans books. Um, there's currently a series going on right now that's kind of like building up to an X-Men versus Inhumans event. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of read the X-Men portion of it, but I'm not vastly knowledgeable about the inhuman so no i'm not really excited about it nor showing an imax will will probably not get me to go watch i'll probably skip that event okay i see 
Have you gone to any like IMAX event screenings of TV shows? The only thing I'm really thinking of is like Sherlock and uh, Game, of, Game Thrones. of Thrones. No, me and the wife wanted to go to the Game of Thrones ones, mm-hmm. but something happened where we just couldn't get into it. I don't know. I forget. Gotcha. I remember the Game of Thrones thing was really cool. Like, yeah, it that, was, that's it was really cool it, to see. For me to pay money to go see a TV show, it would have to be something of high quality like Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like I would not pay money to go see like an Agents of Shield equivalent on IMAX. That's <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. Um if they I mean if they came out and they did the Game of Thrones thing, I wouldn't I would actually wouldn't put it past them to do this, but in the lead up to season uh, 7, if they did the if they did the same thing and they screened uh, the last two episodes of season six, the Battle of the Bastards and uh, Winter, whatever. Winters. The Winds of Winter. Yeah, Winds of Winter, yeah. If they did that, I mean, if they, I would go see that. If they showed all ten episodes, I'd do it. Hmm, Cause interesting. I, well, I did the uh, the Avengers marathon back with the first That's Avengers right. movie, and that was damn near 13 hours. Um, yeah, that wasn't bad. Huh. I I, enjoy, I thought that was fun. I had a good time with that. So if they wanted to say, "Yeah, we're going to put all ten episodes in the theater for an event," I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll get behind that. I'd pay. I'd pay forty bucks for that." Interesting. See, I would not. I would not commit to that. I would just want to see Battle of the Bastards on the well, big screen. Turns out you'd get to see Battle of the Bastards eventually. eventually episode nine. Exhausted from no, sitting there. No, and, you'd be fine. Exhausted from sitting there all day. Like, exactly. Oh, so, so tired. Yeah. That's most of my my day in general is just <laughs> sitting there and becoming exhausted. <laughs> there's there's way too much truth in that statement. <laughs> um, okay, so that's interesting. I I probably won't check out Inhumans until unless I am like no, I don't see a future where it's, I, where it's a hard sell for me. It is, yeah. Really, there's, there's too much good co- content out there for me, and mm-hmm. I really think it would end up being an equivalent of Agents of Shield, mm-hmm. and not not so much storyline, but quality, right? Which it's Agents of Shield is not a bad show. It's just, no, but it's it's a network action it's static series. in the background of the MCU. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, yeah, it is not as intrinsically tied with the Marvel Cinematic Universes. I was I was hoping. Yeah, as as I would think it would be. Um and what's a sh- what's such a shame about that is that they don't they don't need to be tied to it because they they've shown in on the Netflix series that they don't need to be tied to it sure. that much but they can still be engaging and interesting but I think part of that may just be they're beholden to network TV standards so they can't really not that they would need to do that kind of dark tone or that um no, but you can still but, make it. Like it, there was a couple episodes. It was a bit cheesy, which yeah. it's fine. I, I enjoyed. What what are we? Season four or yeah. five? Season like, four, I think. I, I enjoyed the first, you know, three seasons, and I didn't think any episode was particularly bad in this season. I, it's just um, my interest is waning. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, much like I'm sure the listeners' interest is waning in this discussion, so we should oh. move on to the next news beat. Good news call. Piece, right? See? Transitions. Yeah. So anyway, the next piece of news is that Legendary Entertainment has acquired the rights to make uh, a movie and TV series. So they've acquired the movie and TV rights to uh, Frank Herbert's Dune uh, science fiction series. Um do you have any relation to Dune? Do you, no, have you read the books? Seen the I, I've never read the books, never seen the movies. Um, but it's one of those classic sci-fi things where 
while I may not want to be introduced to the old stuff, mm-hmm. I might be my interest might be piqued to be introduced to a new uh, take on it, I guess, which is weird because I've I've not been introduced to the original take, but mm-hmm. something that would introduce me into the uh, the lure because I, I hear nothing but good things. Yeah, I, and that's one of the reasons why I haven't really sought out like the original stuff. I've I've I always get in my head where I need to read the source material. I need to read the novel first. I need to read whatever the source is before I get into a film adaptation or anything. And not that, um, I believe it was, uh, David Lynch, not that his adaptation is that, well, I don't know if I would say it's widely celebrated. I think that it's the best that they got. (laughs) Um, because I don't think a lot of people, I think that it's, I mean, it's not the greatest thing ever from, from what I understand. Um, and the, the documentary, uh, Hodorowsky's, uh, uh, Dune um, kind of talked about a, a visual, this, what would have been an incredible feat of filmmaking if he would have gotten the film off the ground, I guess. Um, I'm actually planning on watching that documentary in the lead up to going to Starbase Indy this weekend uh, for the Development Hell panel. But anyway, uh, Dune is a sci-fi novel that I would like to check out and a series that I would like to check out, but I just, I, I don't have the time to really read as much as I would like to. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm curious to see what, um, what comes of this deal for the, for the rights. Um, because from what I understand, Dune is a massive thing that I believe it like even, uh, influenced star Wars and, um, the matrix and it's, it's very influential science fiction and I'm a fan of science fiction. So I am. Sounds like it'd be right up your alley. Exactly. Oh yeah. But then again, so did interstellar. So, um, <laughs> God, come on. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it as a dig. I'm saying that as literally, yeah, it, it really did. Um, for those who don't know, Dune is uh, set in a distant future. It tells the story of Paul, Atreides, see, that's why I'm not uh, too in tune with it, <laughs> whose family accepts control of the desert planet Arrakis. As the only producer of a highly valuable resource, control of Arrakis is highly contested among the noble families. After Paul and his family are betrayed, the story explores themes of politics, religion, and man's relationship to nature as Paul le- leads a rebellion to restore his family's control of the planet. That comes from a Slash Film article. Um... So yeah, that I mean, it sounds it sounds intriguing. Yeah, like I, oh yeah, like I said, I I can get behind the idea. It's just mm-hmm. you know I've never been introduced to any of the uh, the films or the book. Mm-hmm. So you put that in comic book form, I'll be all about it. <laughs> sure. Um. Yeah. So I I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. Hopefully they can get something off the ground to where it's you know a success. I mean we are living in a franchise a genre fan- franchise like culture right now so it sounds like it's be something beneficial yeah. of uh like a hbo series oh yeah that would be interesting yeah. Yeah. Hmm. maybe when game of thrones ends um, never if yeah. it ever ends because <laughs> they're gonna do the prequels next and uh yeah. do you think they'll, re- they'll really do a prequel series no i didn't i don't no. think so either maybe a maybe a prequel movie mm-hmm. but at, the, at the most cool. but prequel series no i don't see it happening me neither and it's, I mean, that's just how it is these these days in general. Anytime a show gets toward the end of its run, there's always talk of, oh, is there going to be a spinoff? Right. Or is there going to be a prequel? It's like, like Better Call Saul yeah, and yeah. Joey. 
and Joey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, to round out the news segment, uh, Cars 3. Um, that's a terrible way to introduce it. Pixar revealed the teaser trailer for Cars 3, uh, the latest in their Cars franchise. And Fekus, you haven't seen the trailer yet, and you told me off uh, off air that you, sir, have never watched the uh, Cars movies. That is true. And I'm a huge Pixar fan, but something I don't know. Maybe it's my aversion to racing. Maybe it's my hatred for uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, yeah. Nothing about Cars has ever piqued my interest, and I just... Couldn't care less. Your aversion to racing. That's interesting because you're a police officer for a, I don't know if you want me to say, a town. A town has, where a speedway yeah. is present. <laughs> a town which in its town limits has a, as a, uh, as a 500 mile race. Right. I, I hate, I hate racing. I hate yeah. it. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Um, I threw the teaser into the Facebook group. And we got some responses. Um, Matt and Draco said that maybe I'm the only one, but I feel this series is already played out. I don't have high expectations. And he also the second one wasn't very well received. It right? wasn't like the first one is this interesting. Um, I, I would recommend checking out the. This is your homework. Watch the first Cars movie. Do you have it? I do. It's right up there. Well, yep. I, don't know, I might. I might watch it then. I'm maybe staring I'll at it right it. now. Yeah, yeah. Good. Actually, no, I'm not. I don't think I own that. Oh no! Oh no! I have it on DVD. It's right there. It's not on. Blu-ray. I can't watch it on. DVD. Yeah, what, you am I can. a caveman? <laughs> um, but no, the first one is like a really interesting kind of nuanced character piece about. I mean, it's it's a Pixar movie of of an arrogant character being brought down and realizing his like his innate goodness. Apparently, or I, I guess would be uh, what how I would phrase that. But it's also under this um, the the story is about finding your roots and um living uh abandoning like a a big lifestyle for like a small town kind of uh thing and that's something that's a theme that kind of speaks to me is like this kind of small community kind of fish out of water like big city person in a small community and learning things about himself it's that type of story and i don't know i i loved it um well, a lot of people did yeah. um it's just in I just never never got around to watching it. Yeah. But like you said, the second one uh is a big departure. It's um it is an international spy movie where Larry the cable guy is at the front and center and oh oh. Uh, that makes sense with the story progression to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's they're night and day. They yeah. they really are night and day. Um I do not own Cars 2. Um, I will eventually because I want to own all the Pixar movies. But anyway, um, the rest of the comments are Tony Troxell said, enjoyed the heck out of the first cars, gravely disappointed by the second, but I will admit this is a hell of a hook for the third, which brings me into the talk of the actual teaser. Um, it's, it's interesting because it shows like an, I think it's a night race, um, just clips of it. And it's, I mean, the, if anything, the animation of, Pixar movies in this in this setting where it's you know cars on a track it's it just looks just freaking awesome but this trailer shows that um one small thing can change everything and it shows um Lightning McQueen crashing and it's just like that's Should like be crippled I don't know maybe <laughs> how, 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 
how would a crippled car work? Would they like get prosthetic legs? I would. Wheels? <laughs> there was there was a comment online, uh, I think on Reddit, that was like, I hope that they go the Talladega Nights <laughs> route with this, <laughs> which would be kind of awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's in store for it, but I think that it looks uh, kind of interesting. What's the release date for this? I believe it'll be that. I don't know. Maybe 2018? It, it just... Or summer 2016. It makes me sad that... This will be Cars 3, and we're still waiting on Incredibles 2. Yeah, and they're working on it. I know they're working on it, but, you know, that was back in, like, 2005 or 4. Oh, so long ago. That's... That's the thing. Like, and, and to round out the comments, longtime listener Yasmin said, I liked the first, uh, but I didn't even realize there was a second, <laughs> which I think a lot of people, um, wish that they had the same experience, essentially, because the second one is not good. But anyway, um, this, uh, um, yeah, that, that brings me to, talking kind of like it, it is depressing that we're getting cars three but it's also it's sad that we're getting cars three um even incredibles to toy story four all of these sequels are coming out and like that's what i think is a shame is that they're not well they're going back they, to they sequels. still produce original films like we got is it moana is that how you pronounce uh moana which i'm hearing is i'm hearing like incredible, incredible things oh, about yeah. so but it's not pixar it's Disney Animation. Oh, yep. okay. And I've heard like I've I've heard ridiculously good things. Yeah, but, so have I. And that's kind of I mean, granted they're both in the Disney family, but I mean Pixar started out making really incredible original things, and they I mean they've done that recently with Inside Out, and it's just a shame that they're going back to sequels. And well, well, I don't know a lot about a lot about money. Yeah, um, that's true. Can't can't deny mm-hmm. that. And I will admit that, <laughs> yeah, they they knocked it out of the park with inside out an original movie and everything and then and they did dinosaur didn't the they? good dinosaur that's the good dinosaur. Yeah. i didn't and i didn't see the good dinosaur but it's not good and, and i've heard that but yeah. you know it still shows that they're trying to make original content so. that's true that's true but also the good dinosaur is is i mean it's barely ah uh, this is harsh but it's barely even a, an original movie it's like an amalgam of tropes from uh animated films of disney's past essentially mm-hmm. like there are bits and pieces here and there that's like oh this is that this is that exact scene from this classic animated film with a dinosaur with a dinosaur and a stream instead of another thing and it's just like it's ugh, ugh. it's it's rough but also the problem with that is that it they had a troubled production with it like they uh scrapped it like halfway through production had to start fresh or something like that and it's I don't know. There was. That's a shame. Anything yeah. with dinosaurs automatically gets my interest. So mm-hmm. it's, and I really wanted to see it. But I I never got around to it. Obviously, but yeah, yeah I, I've heard such mediocre reviews of it. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I it, that's one thing that like I want to own all of the Pixar movies because I'm insane. Are you gonna get airplanes? I no, because that is not a Pixar movie. That is a Disney straight to DVD. No, I want to say that was in the theater. It okay. Uh, a Disney. It wasn't a Pixar movie though. It wasn't okay. a Pixar films. Um, yeah. It was the equivalent of like the Ewok movies to the uh, Star Wars films. Yeah, yeah. It, sort yeah. of like that. Yeah. Um, speaking of, oh no, this is way too harsh. Speaking of franchises that had entries in them that <laughs> were careful. 
<laughs> were, <laughs> were uh, considerably uh, of lesser quality than their predecessors. Uh, play way of doing it. And I'm, we'll we'll get into our discussion, but we're here today to review Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. The strange things going on all over the city. The people behind this are not like you and me. There's a hidden society. It goes back centuries. Yesterday, a wizard entered New York with a case. A case full of magical creatures. And unfortunately, some have escaped. Okay, so Fantastic Beasts. Fekus, you are, of the many people in my life who are big fans of Harry Potter, um, you are among the biggest fans. Fan. Take pride in that. Yeah. yeah. So what was your... I guess not expectations because we we touched on that. Yeah, we did the. We've had a couple conversations about that, and like I've always said, it it was it's been a roller coaster for me. And it was Mm -hmm. funny waiting in line to get into it because me and Cassie had gotten in there Mm -hmm. early for a couple reasons. One, it was you know the first weekend Mm -hmm. for this major franchise, and two, AMC has redone all their. I was going to ask if Southern Plaza did that. (laughs) Yeah, they did, and so the seating is considerably less now, Mm -hmm. which is fine. I I get that. And by the way, reclining seats are the greatest. Oh my god, they're incredible. So I, I was sitting or standing in line waiting to get into the theater. And, you know, my wife is just as big of Harry Potter fan, if not bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And she's giddy with joy. And she's like, are you excited? And I just had this feeling of meh. Interesting. Not really, hmm. I guess. Because I like, and I think we had touched on it the last time I was here. The I was turned off by the whole five film deal. I um, don't know if we actually talked about that because i don't think it had been well no i think we did i, I think i think we touched on it um but anyway yeah the whole five film deal had had kind of left a bad taste in my mouth mm-hmm. it, it just seemed like a, a cash grab so it, like walking into the the movie i was not overly excited which is weird because it is okay. a harry potter franchise movie mm-hmm. or universe movie so interesting yeah i you know i had kind of a an opposite reaction like going into it. I, I don't know. I, and this is, I'm, I am a blind consumer to this franchise culture we're in where I mean, like I hear that and I think, well, I don't know if that's really fair because I hear that about avatar and I'm like, Oh my God, James Cameron, stop. Right. But with fantastic beast, I'm thinking like, okay, well JK Rowling is at the helm, like writing wise. She's in, she's proven herself to, be a very good writer um with has the she though she has. Oh, what, she's had what seven good books <laughs> right and in in like i loved the books i absolutely loved the harry potter books and i loved how cohesive a universe she created throughout those seven books and i i i just adored that like i remember reading the last uh the last book and just being just freaking overcome with just how just well thought out it is everything all... just fits perfect perfectly absolutely together. there's no oh, yeah there's no like little plot hole here and there like, well mm-hmm. you could have done this what yeah it's... no like big deus ex machina or anything right. it's like there are things that are 
there are things that are seeded in the first two books or the first few books that just come into play in a huge way at the end. That's just, it's, oh, it's incredible. Um, so knowing that I'm like, okay, well, fantastic beasts. It's a prequel set in America. It is a story in that universe. And they just came out and said, Oh, Hey, it's going to be five movies. And I know that she wrote the first movie. So I'm thinking she's, is she going to do the same thing with a movie franchise? (laughs) And like that kind of had me a little excited. And I just, I, I like that world so much, even though the movies aren't as good as the books. I like that world so much that I was excited to go back to it and see this new perspective on it. So that was the expectation. (laughs) And First of all, how did you see the movie? You you saw it at, at an AMC theater. We the saw it in uh, 3D. Okay. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I, I really dislike 3D films. Mm-hmm. This one, it kind of worked for me. The okay. three. There's only been a couple movies where I walked out thinking, like, you know what? The 3D kind of enhanced my mm-hmm. uh, viewing of it. And I, I'd give this one one of those viewings. It, it was okay. There were some fun little takes with the 3D, nice. and it didn't have that typical darkened look for th- for the 3d films see i saw it in 2d and i thought that it did like it seemed like tinted for 3d in my in my screening because I, I was in 2d and I, I thought like the lighting is terrible in the movie no, we we i didn't have that experience with uh, interesting at, at our showing yeah it, it seemed mm-hmm. just as vibrant as as a 2d film and hmm. yeah like i said it's one of the few that have actually kind of enhanced my viewing of it okay i think that with my experience with that it may have been the color palette that they used for 1920s new york because it's very there's there's a darkness all around it like in terms of just the there the is color a little of drab yeah tent. yeah yeah i mean it's like you know on the cusp of the great depression or i think it's a few years away from the great depression but it's like that era it's like an old it's, it's, older era Three, literally three years away from the Great Depression. Right, yeah. Three years away from this crash, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Okay, um, so anyway. 29 was um, the crash. Yeah. I've, I've, seen, I've seen Boardwalk Empire. Okay, um, I, I haven't. So. <laughs> uh, four seasons are good. Uh, <laughs> fifth is not. Anyway, um, so, so yeah, anyway. Uh, first of all, so I, I saw it in 2D, and I have to say, I don't know if this is going to affect my review. I really don't, but... I have to rant for a moment about my about my my theater experience. You can't let the theater experience I, mar your <laughs> relationship to the film. It's 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 not because because the 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 issues that I have with the movie aren't aren't because some mm, aren't because some uh, uh, what's what are the adjectives I want to use? I don't know. I'm, I'm How curious. many expletives do I want to use? Um, no, this this just ah uh, this this girl in the row in front of me. Um, I saw it at a Regal Theater, which also has upgraded their seating. And personally, I prefer that better than than the AMC ones. Um, they're just they're a little bit more comfortable. And although I will say that I feel like the AMC theaters have have. I don't know if they've if they've increased their screen size or upgraded their screens too, but when I was at Heartland, I thought the screen was huge compared to the Regal Theater that I frequent. That's anyway. in Calston, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't been up there for a while. Okay. Um, I think that theater is actually also doing uh, Dolby uh, Atmos 
theater. Uh, they mm-hmm. were in the process of upgrading to that. I really want to check that out. Um, but anyway, there was this girl. I don't know if she was an adult. I don't know if she was a kid. <laughs> I'm inclined to think that she was like a teenager. And I really hope that she, I really hope that her teenage years are incredibly awkward and painful <laughs> because she, the entire movie, 90% of the movie, she was on her phone. Oh, no. Like texting. And it wasn't like I saw her texting and the light was like right in my peripheral vision that I like I thought I really thought about standing up, not confronting her because I don't want to be the creepy 30 year old talking to a teenager in a theater telling her to to I am whatever. so the opposite. I confront people all See, the I time can't. in the theater. I can't. I tell them to shut up. I don't all, all the time. I have no problem doing it. I I can't. And I think that's why I can't be a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it threateningly. I just I'm like, sure. hey, I'm, I'm. Could you be quiet? I'm watching the movie. I, only a couple times has it escalated where they're they got to be pricks about. It. I'm like, yeah. hey, look. See, I I go to the movies alone all the time. Me too. It's, okay, well that pokes holes in my thing. I have just no backbone. I would I, rather complain about it I on would a podcast say afterward. Eighty eighty percent of the times I go to the movies by myself. Oh, yeah. I just I. You're not going to ruin my theater experience. Anyway, um, so this this girl was on her phone about 90% of the movie from the moment it started. And I'm like, and she's there with a group of people. So it's like, like they were watching the movie and I'm thinking like, does she have so little self-awareness that she doesn't realize that the light is like people can see the light of the damn of the damn phone? Like the people that you're with can see it and are probably distracted by it. Um, And then. Obviously, no one said anything to her because it was the whole movie. But there was one moment where there's a mating dance scene that we'll get into in the review. She, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she took her phone out and she recorded it on oh Snapchat and f-ing sent it on Snapchat to all of her friends. And I'm like, what? And what's even more aggravating about that is it's the second time in my life that I've been in a movie theater where someone has taken a Snapchat of a, of a movie and sent it without the, without proper regard. consent from the filmmakers. What the, <laughs> <laughs> well, that and, uh, and also without consideration to other people around them. I'm, I'm just baffled by that behavior. Yeah. I, I, I can't fathom ever thinking like people aren't going to mind this. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just, uh, I just, in that moment, I've said this before and I will think this every time instead of confronting them like a grown adult, (laughs) um, I just wish I had a superpower. Like I was so agitated. I was sitting there thinking like, if I had a superpower or if I had like wizarding powers, I would curse her so that she would never, like I would, I would cast a spell to destroy her phone in her hand so it doesn't turn on. But I would also put a spell on her that any phone that she touches any any cell phone any smartphone will not work if she touches it i believe the spell you would be looking for would be reducto is, you're, you're is welcome that, is that the, is a spell it's a spell reducto reducto oh, okay. you're welcome they didn't have smartphones in harry potter no it, it it's a spell to just you know break things not oh, okay, cell gotcha. phones in general Reducto. Okay. Jesus. Gotcha. No, I'm thinking of a spell to make her not be able to use any electronic device for the rest of her life. Avada Kedavra. I was thinking that the yeah. whole the whole movie. <laughs> I was like Avada Kedavra. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really irritating. I'm, I was just, uh it was it was irritating. But um, it didn't necessarily spoil the movie for me. 
So let's go into our actual review of the movie. <laughs> okay. Um, so the movie is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It is about Newt... Scamander. Scamander. Scamander? Scamander. I'm going to read the IMDb plot summary. Okay. Um, real quick. The adventures of writer Newt Scamander in New York's secret community of witches and wizards 70 years before Harry Potter reads his book in school. And, uh... Okay. Okay, I'll start by saying that I overall I did like the movie. I thought that it was a f- uh, I thought it was fun. There are moments in this movie that are pretty fun. Um the first beast we're introduced to, the little the little black furry beast. Yeah, the uh, with the oh. like it looks like a duck bill. Right, it looks like a small little Duckbill platypus. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's obsessed with shiny things. So it's it's and he that, chasing things. it's in the book. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, Hagrid introduces the characters to uh, that beast, and I believe in the third book, and it's it's killing me, right? It's killing <laughs> me that it's escaping. It, the name of the beast is escaping me right now, but is it's not like it. Uh, it's not Nibbler. Is it? Niffler. 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 There it is. There you go. Yeah, Niffler. Um. Yeah, I. I but, oh, the whole Niffler sequence was great. Oh yeah, oh yeah. At that point, I was like, I am in love with this little creature. Yeah. I, this is. I want a Niffler. Yeah it it was it was honestly it was for me. I I likened it to BB-8 or R2D2. Sure. That that it kind of resonated with me in that way. Um, to bring up the Star Warses, um, but there are some issues I had with the movie that. I thought that it was, like I said, I had fun with it. I thought it was enjoyable. The first, I would even say the first half of the movie, I was, it was slow. It took, it took its time to get to anywhere that I was really interested in. And really overall, I, I gotta say, I think that I, I was not crazy about Eddie Redmayne in the movie. Oh, I liked him. Really, like about three quarters of the movie, I was like, I, I don't really, I'm not invested in that character. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on board. Like, I was more interested in, um, is it Dan Fogler? Yeah, Dan Fogler. Yeah, his character because he was, you know, he was emoting. He had he a was, great, he had a great turn. Oh, uh, he was I fantastic. Lo- loved him that. Oh yeah, but Eddie Redmayne was just kind of flat. He was kind of just. Um, like he had like some little quirks here and there, but it wasn't enough to really carry, uh, carry the movie for me. I thought that it was just kind of, he didn't really do much. Uh, he didn't really react well to, to any situation. It was just kind of even healed in his like kind of shy reserved way. And it just, it didn't do anything for me, um, for the character. What, what did you think of the characters and the overall movie and everything? The, the overall, I would say, it was it was pretty good. I would mm-hmm. say fairly good. Probably the exact same thing, I guess. It wasn't. It didn't blow my hair back. Went the greatest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It, it was. I had a lot of fun with it. Yes, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. And I'll get into my hopes for the future with the franchise uh, a little bit later on. But I, I enjoyed Eddie Redmayne. I thought he was a fun little, uh, fun quirky character. I, mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy that would. You know, I thought he did a good job emphasizing that he has a stronger relationship to these be- magical beasts than he does with humans. So he doesn't relate as well with uh, other wizards. Sure. So I, yeah, I thought he did a good job playing that off. But I thought Dan Fogler was probably one was, 
was a better character for me. I, I really enjoyed him, and I've been a fan of his for uh, a while. I think me he's too. been been fun in some uh, some of his projects. So mm-hmm. I was happy to see him. First of all, I was happy to see him get cast in this big movie. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. I thought he did a great job, and his pay- character payoff at the end was great too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. And he, um, I've been. I mean, I've been a fan of his since like. Um, did you ever see the movie? Oh, what is it called? The eighties one night teen movie. Um, oh, uh, can't hardly wait. No. Um, oh wait, that's not the eighties. Right. 90s. Uh, the one with Chris Pratt and, uh, Anna Ferris and, oh man. And, and, uh, uh, uh I'm going to say no then because Topher I'm for grace. Um, I know which one you're talking yeah, about, but the, I had, no, I didn't see it. The name of it is the name of like an eighties pop song. Oh man. This is, I'm going to look that up. Cause that's, that's gonna it. Teresa Palmer's in. This is one of those times where I know everything about the movie except, except for the, the title. title. Oh man, I'm so mad. I have to look this up. <laughs> I'm so angry. Um, you can be even more mad when you read it. Like, of course, that's the name. Exactly. <laughs> Take me home tonight. Take me home tonight. Why did I? Why did I not know that? Well, it happens. Um, we all yeah. have brain farts. Oh, totally. No, I didn't see it. Oh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a fun like one night. Teen party movie. My, my introduction to Dan Fogler came with fanboys. Oh yeah, so oh, yeah. and I loved him in that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his his character is great. Um, the female characters were, were fun too, mm-hmm. especially the uh, the sister. I, I had a lot of fun yeah, with her. I the mind reader. Was, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Oculumens mind reader. Get out of here with that. Uh, and I I like Colin Farrell <laughs> as Graves. I I thought. I, I I love Colin Farrell. Me too. Um, so I and it's fun to see him and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. He's he plays kind of a good brooding bad guy. He does. He does. He he's a good like you said. He, he's a good brooding bad guy. He's he's good with those types of roles. Yeah. I, I and I liked him in the movie. Um, but it reached a point where like uh, like when we're kind of shown what his arc is in the movie. Um, like what his him dealing with another character and kind of trying to get something out of another character throughout the movie um, or kind of guiding another character, essentially. I was just kind of like, I felt like the writing wasn't, um, didn't get there quite the way that I would have liked it to. Cause it seemed like the first, the first 45 minutes in the movie was all okay. Newt coming to New York. And then there's, there's some interest. There's, some very interesting stuff about the world of New York in 1926 um, in the wizarding community. And then, and then we're introduced to like the American kind of uh, legal, whatever it's called for magic. And then we're introduced the, the to the ministry him. of magic in, in the Americas. Yeah. And then by the time we get to graves, his whole plot line, it's just like, it felt like it wasn't eased in properly. There wasn't enough um, cohesiveness in the, those first 45 minutes to kind of really get me on board with so many new things at once. Does that, does that make any sense? Uh, did I, did, did I explain that in a mutt in an even less cohesive? Yeah, way? I think, I think you did. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I've, I kind of disagree. I, I okay. thought the uh, build up with graves uh, into what his characters What's the word I'm looking for? His motives. motives. His, his motives were. I, I thought it was built up nicely. Little touches mm-hmm. here and there, with especially with him handing uh, 
Credence, the uh, Deathly Hollows sign. It, when he handed that, if if, if that's you, what that was, yeah, it, and yeah. and you you're supposed to know you're supposed to know Matt <laughs> that Grendon Walt was big on the Deathly Hollows, obsessed mm-hmm. with the Deathly Hollows. So as soon as you see that transpire, you know well there's gonna there's some nefarious dealings uh, with his motives. So and see, I think that that may boil down to exactly what I had a most of a problem with the movie with was because it's a prequel to the Harry Potter franchise, but it's not, not that it needs to be because it's in the same universe, but it's not accessible outside of the Harry Potter franchise. I'll tell you what, that's what sold me on liking this movie. Really? That it was, there was so many things that were, it, it rewarded me for being such a nerd about Harry Potter. And I loved that about it. I can and I can respect that, but I can I disagree with it. I I, they, I had an opposite reaction because I'm a fan of the Harry Potter franchise. I'm a fan of the Harry Potter books, but it's been a couple years since I've read the books. It's been a couple years since I've seen the movies, and I feel like I would have I would have gotten a lot more out of the movie had I rewatched the eight movies. Maybe you should have done that. Maybe you should have done your homework. And I should have maybe, but also. If I can't go into the movie with, like, having seen all the movies and wa- and read all the books and still feel that disconnect, maybe it's, I don't know. Because, like, I was thinking, I was trying to, I was struggling to remember, okay, what is, what exactly is the history with the, uh, oh, I... <laughs> Deathly Hollow? Uh, no, uh, uh, I can't, I'm going to struggle pronouncing his name. Grim, uh, gr- uh, Grindelwald. 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 Yeah. Um, Do you need a refresher? I'll give you a refresher. Uh, sure, yeah. Grindelwald was expelled from Dumbstring mm-hmm. for having some bad experiments. When he was, he was at this point obsessed with the Deathly Hollows and immortality. So he goes to live at Godric's Hollow, where the original stories That's took right. place. At Godric's Hollow, he becomes friends with Albus Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. So they both become obsessed with the Deathly Hollows, and both of them have an obsession with why is the wizarding world in the shadows when we could easily be ruling the humans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grindelwald had more of a uh, dictator view of it, while Albus Dumbledore had more of a view of we can help humanity. There was a falling out uh, over their ideals, and it came to a head when there was a big argument, and it upset uh, Dumbledore's younger sister, Ariana. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, there was an accident where Ariana was killed, Mm -hmm. and Grindelwald was blamed for the killing, and he fled. And after he fled Godric's Hollow is when he became the Dark Wizard that wanted to overthrow the wizarding world. So that started his, which is where his, we meet. You, we the story meet, here. we meet the story where he has already committed, uh, atrocities in the mm-hmm. wizarding world. He's, uh, gotten a following. I, the movie takes place in 26. I want to say that's like 20 or 30 years after the death of Ariana. Okay. I wish that that was better explained in the beginning of the movie for people that aren't. That's but there's a lot of backstory to there is to explain in an already almost two and a half hour movie. There, there is, and that and that's true. However, what we got instead was a bunch of newspapers on the screen, it, right? That did not like. I got. I mean, I I got the gist 
of it that there is Grindelwald out there that's that's in uh, that is carrying out these atrocities essentially. That's what I got, and I also got that there was a there was an article about how is soccer is soccer just uh, Muggles Quidditch? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was nice. That was nice, but also it's like I I would have liked maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe I get, I get what been, you're saying. Yeah. And so, at, at some point, it's almost a fault to how intricate the universe is. E- exactly. And yeah. there's just so much detail in the universe. It You you really do have to study. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of backstory in Harry Potter, and it looks like that she's going to continue with having this intricate universe mm-hmm. with, with these films. So. And see... I am all for expanding that intricate universe. I really, really am. But I think that what I maybe would have preferred was her to write five Fantastic Beast novels and then have someone adapt them into films. Because she has such a keen eye for detail in the novels. And making it easy. And making it easily accessible. And in creating this world that you can disappear into... And in writing a movie, there is such a there is such a difference between creating a world in a novel and creating or expanding upon an existing world in in a in a film. And I think that without that without that room to really grow and to uh, really fill in the details of it, I think that that's a fault for the Fantastic Beasts franchise at the start because we don't get much in terms of what like this not necessarily the state of the world because we get we get a lot of good background for the for the state of the world despite not knowing not not being not being briefed on on the main motivations or or, um the history of uh, uh grindelwald but to see um when it comes to like newt and to oh there was another example that that is fleeing from me now um Newt's story, it seems kind of, I don't know, just, okay, he came to New York to, uh, for a specific purpose, but it's, that purpose is in Arizona, and there, there wasn't enough, like, I spent a lot of the movie up until the scene where they're in the briefcase that, that's hinted at in the trailer, I'd spent a lot of time thinking, like, okay, well, what is he doing here? Like, what's, what's his deal? What's, what's up with Newt? And I feel like we didn't really get that addressed that well for me to really latch on to the character. Plus Eddie Redmayne's performance didn't do much for me personally. Um, so I don't know. I just think that there was a little bit, a lack of detail that I wish would have been there. I, I get your complaint. And mm-hmm. I think maybe one of the faults can lie into where they decided to start this franchise. Mm-hmm. Cause clearly the rest of the franchise is not going to be a fantastic beast. One, two, three, and four, right. five. It, it looks like it's going to be, in fact, I think it's already confirmed this is going to chronicle mm-hmm. the plight of Grindelwald in the Wizarding World and come to yeah. an end at his downfall. Right. So it's going to span like twenty years. Yeah. Right. Uh, Nineteen forty-five is when the uh, the last movies supposedly take place because, and that's right. nineteen forty-five is when the big duel between Grindelwald and Dumbledore occurs. Right. So if they would have started the movie off with perhaps the story of Grindelwald and mm-hmm. Dumbledore and Godric's Hollow and made that the first movie that would maybe cool. that would have 
b- done a little bit better to introduce the audience into where we are in this uh, spectrum or in this timeline in the Wizarding mm-hmm. World. So I, I get your complaint. Yeah, and and I think that I agree with you there that that would have been a good place to start um, the franchise. And I think I read that it's the plan is or or the idea is that each movie is going to be like Fantastic Beasts and something, which if it's if it's chronicling that story in the mythology, I don't how how much are beasts going to really come is, into play? Is that confirmed? I. I want to say it is because um, w- one of the things walking out of the film, which made me happy and excited for the rest, was I had the feeling that because originally I thought, okay, this would be Fantastic Beasts. All five of them are going to be Fantastic Beast films, and it's I, I didn't know that it was going to chronicle the timeline of the Grindelwald mm-hmm. uh, plague. I, plague, I don't know, um, <laughs> despair. Sure. So well, walking out of the era, good. Uh, walking out of the film, knowing that that's where the series was headed, that makes me excited. So, it, I don't know how they would fit. Then again, I'm not the writer of the film, mm-hmm. but I don't know how they would fit Fantastic Beasts in all aspects. Are we going to follow Newt Scamander through all five of these films? Um, clearly, they've already cast Dumbledore in the next one, so he's going to be in it. So, right. I, I'm I'm now my curiosity is peaked, my excitement is peaked. I'm excited to see where they're going to take the franchise now. Okay, yeah. Um, let's see. So Eddie Redmayne said at one point, um, they asked him about the sequels and how they would be titled. Uh, and he said, you know, I did actually ask that question to David Yates and David Heyman yesterday. And the answer is Fantastic Beasts will remain in the title if we go forward. And then it'll be and the Fantastic Beast and the. That's from November 18th. Um, so a few days ago from this recording. So yeah, I mean sure. <laughs> hey, look, if she can write it and she's going to be the writer, so mm-hmm. I I have my trust in JK Rowling. I feel like she'll be able to make it work. I she made this one work for me. Okay. And that's um, that's fair. And I, and I'm not saying I, and I'm not I, saying this is a this is an amazing film. Right. I I had fun with it. And I was almost probably destined to enjoy it just because it is in the Harry Potter universe, which mm-hmm. I love so much. Yeah, and and I and I did. There are some problems that we're going to discuss that I have sure. in the film. Yeah, we'll we'll dig into more of that in spoilers. But I think for me, and and it's important to remember, I I did have fun with the movie. Eventually, you hated it. You I, hated this film. <laughs> I did not hate the movie. It you is- have been tweeting nothing but death threats <laughs> at Eddie Redmayne for the last five hours. <laughs> Um, and then he's just responded in a complete <laughs> monotone. <emotionless>. Mumble, mumble, <laughs> mumble. Yeah. No, I did enjoy the movie. And, and once it reaches a certain level or a certain point where the action becomes more relevant and, and the pacing becomes more quickened, I, I was on board with it. I was enjoying it. And I came away from the movie really feeling like this was a decent start to a franchise that I think could go some really interesting places. And apparently to kind of circle back to one of the questions you had, I don't believe like it's, it's, it hasn't been confirmed yet or not, but I don't, there's a chance that Newt isn't going to be like the central character through every single movie, which I think would be a good idea. I I agree. Um, obviously I don't give it how it ends. I don't think you can just abandon the character, right? But I don't think he needs to be the focal point either. So, 
I agree. And that, I think that's one of my problems with it too, is that I think that, and maybe this is just because I'm, I'm so comfortable with, with how Harry Potter was handled. I think they need a Harry Potter. And I don't mean that in the sense of, no, like, I know what you mean. Yeah. I just hey, mean but I, a central I, character. To I disagree follow. with you. Really? I, I like jumping from one area in the wizarding world to another. Mm-hmm. You know, the next one's going to be set in France. So we're Have gonna, they confirmed that? Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to see a whole new uh, aspect of the wizarding world. I, I like that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I almost see it as like an anthology version of a Harry Potter series. Okay. So I, I'm, sure. I'm behind that. I, I don't need a central character to follow through five movies. Okay. I have a central storyline, and mm-hmm. that is the, the Grindelwald Wars. Okay. So I'm behind that. I can respect that, and I think when the sequel comes out, I might – maybe I'll be more receptive to that once I see how it is. Um, and, I mean, I'm all for anthology right. stories, but um, – but anyway, yeah, I, I think that that's – we'll see where it goes. I think that it was a good introduction. There are some elements of it that I was really interested in, um, in particular kind of the – how it um, expanded some of the mythology of the greater wizarding world. Like yeah. the the concept of the – I think they're called New Salemers. Oh, I thought that loved, was freaking loved awesome. that, yes. Yeah. First of all, I, I just want to say – thought the movie got a little dark for being it did yeah, I, yeah. for being almost a, a, you know a child's franchise it mm-hmm. got there was some deep and dark mm-hmm. references with this totally totally and and i mean the harry potter series got sure dark too but it but it gradually yeah, right, oh yeah yeah this kind of starts out kind of i mean it, it starts out a little a little dark yeah here yeah um but uh, just the idea of the new Salemers, I thought was just—it's it, really cool. It's so American. It, it is. It it's is so American. Oh yeah, and uh, and just the and I mean, it fits so well. It does. It, it, oh, it's it's fantastic. Oh yeah, it's it's beasts. Um, <laughs> anyway, God damn it. I know, but yeah, I, I loved that. I really did. Um, although, and. Uh, and so the beasts themselves, visual effects, I thought were pretty good. Yeah, for the most part, some of them. Some of them were rough. They were yes, some like were rough. there's a scene where Eddie Redmayne pets a creature, like with an elongated face, I think, sort of like a horse, I think, and it's like it's. Just the way it's shot and the way it's yeah. done, it's like it's like he's hesitant because he doesn't want his face in the CGI. <laughs> of it. It's it's so weird, and I don't know. I feel like ugh, if they're throwing that much money at a movie, they should really be able to have you know quality effects. And it it's not even just the creatures. It's like there's a scene where, um. Scamander and I'm pronouncing that right, right? Yeah, yeah. Scamander and um, oh wow, uh, Goldstein. Um, what is her name? Oh, um, Tina. Tina, where they're on the roof of a building, and it's like it is, it is like egregiously bad. Like the backdrop in the whole area around them has that kind of kind of gray color palette, 1920s New York yeah. color palette to it, but like. It'll it'll 
it'll switch from a shot of Eddie Redmayne and a shot of her, Catherine Win Win uh, uh, Win Weatherston, I believe is her name, and it'll it'll switch over from them from them and they're facing each other and like when it shows her like half of her face is shrouded in just like heavy shadow and then the same the same side of his face when they switch over to him would be completely colorful and, and with light and it's like it just it did not it did not feel like an authentic thing it reminded me of like those scenes that i railed against in uh, independence day resurgence where yeah. it's just it like very really bad green screen so obviously cgi yeah, yeah I, I i will give you that some of the effects and it's pr- i'm sure it's hard to recreate a 1920s new york uh digitally because obviously they're not going to build the sets for it is but i think the problem is the the color palette they used for it, it was Could kind be. of it felt like a kind of uh, almost sin city-esque kind of like not not like that that mm. style but like that kind of darkness to it or maybe I'm not thinking of the right thing. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't get that. Maybe Road to Perdition a little bit. Okay. Yeah. yeah that kind of gray. That that fits. Yeah. 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 That and I don't know. It's just it. When I think of Harry Potter and I think of the Wizarding World, I think of these really inventive things, like like just the fact, like going through Hogwarts for the first time and seeing like the the paintings with the with the moving images on them and seeing all of like our introduction to the magic world is so my memory of it at least is vibrant and colorful and interesting and whimsical and everything and here we have just some of the um like it's like spells in a in a somewhat noirish tone and i don't know it just it just didn't, didn't, didn't fit work for, me. for you. Yeah, it wasn't enough to detract from my enjoyment of the film. But I see, mm-hmm. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So. Yep. So I don't know. That was that was a problem I had with it. But like I said, once we got once the plot got going, and we won't spoil it. We'll save that for our spoiler section. But once the plot got moving and and we got a, a quicker pace, I was I was more on board with it. Even though this annoying freaking <laughs> person kept tweeting Snapchat Snapchat yeah. Oh, but anyway, um, but I enjoyed it. I, I did. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I think that it could have been a lot better, um, and it had some faults. But it's not. I wouldn't. It's not going to make my top ten list. No. Yeah. No. Not mine either. But it makes me curious to see where they go from here. It made me excited for the for the franchise. So. Yeah, and it's important to remember, at least for me mentally that i wasn't crazy about the first harry potter movie i, I saw the first uh, it, harry it's potter hard movie. for me to watch the first two harry yeah, potter films it's, it's kind of rough They're, um they and they do not hold up yeah i i, <laughs> I the books do yeah, yeah you can't sure, take anything yeah. away from the books but the first first two movies are just yeah yeah the books you can really uh put your own special effects in them yeah right like it does not age well the special effects they, oh, in those terribly. movies yeah but um yeah, so so we can go into spoilers here in a moment, but any closing thoughts, overall thoughts or anything? No, just pretty much uh, it, I'm glad that it reeled me into being excited for the rest of them. Mm-hmm. So I no longer look at this as, as like a Harry Potter chore. Like I, I'm excited okay. to be brought back into the universe, and I think they, they've done a good job of that. Nice. I uh, 
I'll share that sentiment slightly less enthusiastically, Fair. but I think that it was a a solid beginning to what I hope would be will become a, a standout uh, companion franchise to what is one of the most beloved fictional universes of our time. Um, so yeah, so before we go into our spoiler talk, I kind of want to, uh, talk about, I, I threw in a note into the, or a question into the Facebook group for people to ask what they, or to ask people what they thought of Fantastic Beasts. I'm going to dig up those comments because I've noticed that when we review movies and we have, uh, Facebook, uh, group comments to bring up, I always do it after the spoiler talk. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, so people that haven't seen it may may not uh, you know, check out check out hear those comments. Of course you can find the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. There's a link to the Facebook group pinned to the top of that page. And uh we got two we got two comments. Um Matt and Draco said, You guys are watching all the good movies. I should go to a theater sometime. <laughs> so he hasn't seen it. But uh my friend Alex, who also works with me, she said she said, and and I will say, <laughs> like, Fekus, when I said that you're one of the biggest Harry Potter fans, like, she's the biggest Harry Potter fan. That's fair. Yeah. She has a uh, um, a Harry Potter party every year uh, here. That is, it's pretty, it's that pretty remarkable. awesome. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to go this year. Has she been terrible. to Platform 9 through Quarters? That's all I'm saying. I've been. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't think she has. Well, well you know. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, she said, absolutely loved it. It had the feeling of being set in the world of Harry Potter while still feeling like a completely new and fresh story. Um, and, and then Matt and Draco commented with that, uh, commented on that and said, uh, oh dear, I didn't realize this was in the Harry Potter universe until reading about it. I should probably read or watch one of the stories one of these days. <laughs> How am I even human? <laughs> so, yeah. So, you might say Matt and Draco is a muggle. Um, or a nomad. Or a nomad. Which brings us into the spoiler talk for Look. Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Don't panic, but there's absolutely nothing to worry about. Um, start right into nomad. Yes. How lazy of a term is nomad? <laughs> uh, I I I don't know why, but it irritates the whole term of nomad just irritates me. It it didn't irritate me that much, to be honest. It, he, it really didn't. Here's but, why it irritates me. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So apparently they don't say muggle in the United States. Mm-hmm. The uh, the American version for a muggle is called a nomad. Right. Correct. All right. So. However, the term squib is apparently an American and a British term because he calls Credence a squib. So okay. why can't we just call, call say muggles? Nomad sounds so, like a caveman, <laughs> like a magician caveman. He nomad. <laughs> I, Maybe I, that's I, the origin of it. I hate the term <laughs> nomad. I, I agree that it, it is lazy. I'm not as uh, par, uh, I'm not as uh, passionate about that as, yeah. uh, as you are. But I, it is Cassie. lazy. <laughs> and maybe that's a, I don't know if this is a, maybe it's a critique was, on the American society. That's what I was going to say. Cause yeah. we're lazy as hell. We are, <laughs> but, but they don't have to point it out. <laughs> 
not really in the same in the same family or anything, but um, I do. That does remind me of that. <laughs> there was a great a great line that I got a good chuckle out of when uh, Newt first goes there and he is standing um, at the bottom of the steps where I believe it's the New Salemer lady is is preaching her stuff and uh she asks him she's like oh friend where are you from and he's like whatever and then she's and then she says are you, uh, we're like we're looking for seekers or something like that and he's like are, she's like are you a seeker and he's, he's like, like oh, I'm more, of a, more chaser. of a chaser i i and love I, that i, I was loved like it. that's that's great that yeah, is that's, that's great. perfect oh yeah um so yeah so let's let's talk a little bit about the plot overall we did not touch on it much at all in our non-spoiler review so there's a whole thing I'm struggling to really really make sense of it to me like of the plot sort of to an extent cuz the whole plot from my from what I can tell and it seems a little not convoluted but kind of just not anything of interest to, well okay let let me start over Newt comes to New York and there's there's a great like takedown of this plot on the slash film cast actually um where so so newt comes to new york because he wants to set that one beast free in arizona they can uh uh is that the word apparate 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 from place to place he he comes to new york they go all the way to arizona they can't apparate wherever they want there okay. there is a limit to how far they can operate okay okay and they, they touch on that in the books okay that's fair that's fair um but there's a considerable amount of time where newt is in new york we don't really know what he's doing there we just see all of the kind of um fun well first of all you have, to, you have to take a historical standpoint of this he can't fly into the United States and the port of entrance into the United States over the Atlantic was New York city. That's the literally the only place for him to go. That's true, but he's a wizard. He can have a broom. I don't know. Um, if there's, they're still trying <laughs> it. There's there. The wizarding world's still trying to be underground. So for him to fly across, first of all, flying on a broom across the Atlantic probably would take a month or two. Mm-hmm. Second of all, when he lands in New York, he's <laughs> like, well, I'm going to hop on my broom now. Screw the international, uh, secrecy, uh, plans or, uh, pact or whatever mm-hmm. you want a treaty treaty i think treaty i'm just gonna fly where the hell i want <laughs> so there is a reason why he can't just operate from here to here and that's fair and th- and that wasn't a huge sticking point for me they just brought it up on another podcast and i was kind of well, maybe they should st- study their harry potter <laughs> okay but the issue that i have is like it's it's not until we're in we're in the suitcase this is after we meet after we meet several characters and we're introduced to to this world and everything, that we even know why he's there because he's there to release that that one beast. That I mean, it, like the reason behind it, like it was kind of a, a blink and I missed it kind of thing. Like I didn't even catch the full like its home is in Arizona, so he's releasing it in Arizona. Is that yeah? What it yeah? yeah. It's just like home. that's his whole impetus for coming to New York. He's an animal conservationist. Sure. So he yeah. he's found this uh, this animal that's been trafficked. He is his and, whole life is dedicated mm-hmm. to the preservation of these magical beasts. And that's a good message. That's a great like underlying message throughout the movie. That's it's 
like understanding these creatures in a way that we don't like because they're wanting to kill the creatures and things like that i like that message and everything my issue is that it's so long before we're introduced to this concept or we're introduced to this his motivations for even coming to new york it's just like there's only so much of of him bumping into dan fogler and him interacting with characters and him being all all goofy and and weird and absorbing this new york um setting before i'm starting to think like okay well let's let's get to the reason why he's here let's get to let's get to the plot well, of the he movie tell, he tells him that he's there because he's trying to find a specific magical beast being bred which was his cover story eh. it's just it didn't work for me i, I, it it, just, I had yeah. no i i didn't have a problem with his reasonings to be first of all there was no other place for him to port in mm-hmm. the united states uh, and I'll give you that. That that's that's fair. That is that is totally fair. I I respect that. But it just I don't know. It was it was not to my liking the way that it was. Introduced well, they're to sorry us. that 1920s world <laughs> travel is not to your standards. I will say this: that first of all, the idea of there being dragons in World War One, like that kind of that little piece of dialogue where he. Uh, uh, he's talking to Tina and he, I think he's talking to Tina. I don't, I don't remember what exactly it was, but he said there, they said something about how there were dragons in, in world war one. That made me really curious about like, what, what are the wizards like in wartime? <laughs> like, like when humans, yeah, yeah, which that would be a fun. That, I yeah. mean, there's so many aspects of the wizard world be fun to oh, yeah. explore. I mean, you could make yeah. r- a ridiculous amount of, uh, films, books, combat, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, it'd be endless. Yeah. And I like the idea that the story is going to be ending in 1945. So maybe we'll get some like World War II stuff. I don't know if they'll go that route. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, they're mm-hmm. going to Paris for the next film. I don't know what the time mm-hmm. frame is, but. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. What, one of my gripes, and I was nudging Cassidy in the middle of the film too, mm-hmm. was there's so many problems within. Not like the major issues of the movie, but so many problems in various scenes that could mm-hmm. be easily have been solved by the one spell of Accio. It's like right. Accio with this. Okay, now it's in my yeah. hand. Like, hey, Accio Niffler. Foom. Okay, got the Niffler. <laughs> Accio Cockroach. Yeah. Foom. Got my cockroach. Now I don't have to do this crazy basketball scene with this teacup. That scene, I had. I, had I, I was be- irritated by. Th- that whole scene, I, yeah. I had a problem with. The, the whole time, I was sitting there just going, Accio Cockroach. Mm-hmm. Accio, you're a freaking wizard. I'm a, I'm a nomad. <laughs> I know what you're, you're supposed to be doing right now. My problem with that scene wasn't so much that they, that they could have done the spell and that it could have been easily done. My problem was, like, there's a difference between um, them being in a situation and them solving the situation with magic and, and with, with kooky, you know, quirky things that are magic. There's there's a difference between that and there the difference is that they I I want to understand why they need that like when they're in the middle of it like he's just throwing out like oh we need a cockroach and a teapot oh hey they're right there and there it's like it, it, there, that, been, there really could have been cockroach in a small container yeah yeah but it's just like I I don't know it it just took it took some of the suspense out of me because it's just like instead of instead of me being excited or or not scared but tensed up for that scene i was like okay well 
why does he need a cockroach? Why does he need a teapot? And like, while all this stuff is going on, it's like, I don't need to be thinking of why, because this is a magic, a magic world. Like, just say I need a teapot and I need a cockroach before the hits the fan. And then like, I know that that's what they'll be working toward. I'll know that like, I, instead of thinking like, Oh wait, why that's, those are random words. To be fair. Mm Mm-hmm. They didn't. He didn't realize he was going to need a small confined space until he realized how large that the beast had gotten. And they explained that the beast uh, is able to grow or shrink based upon its current uh, housing, I guess. Mm-hmm. So uh, he didn't realize that that specific beast had grown to that size yet. So in order to get said beast back to a manageable size, he needs. He now needs these items. And that's fair. But I kind of wish that there. I would have been. I would have been more on board with that scene and more in the moment with that scene if he had said okay like before going there it's saying like okay well to get this to get this creature we need to have it 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 will expand and and explain all of these things and say like we need to bait it to get into a small container i I can i can get behind your gripe on that yeah yeah it's just like i would have rather been like how are they going to find how are they going to find these items how are they going to get out of this instead of why are they looking for these things to get out of this? Like that's that's was my issue. But but I, my whole issue was like Accio teacup, Accio bug. <laughs> this is so simply solved, right? So it's like we don't need to play <laughs> basketball with the cockroach in the teacup, right? Oh, I was. <laughs> um, but it, going back to the bit about travel, um, it made me kind of curious what, like, if in this universe, in this world, like, I wonder what type of uh historical events like how how wizards would have shaped them like i wonder what you know the titanic was like there probably wasn't magic. any wizards on the titanic well well there might have been a let's wizard. not discriminate they, they probably survived yeah okay they, <laughs> that, they probably really like screw this accio boat right <laughs> or or some kind of floating so i'm sure they would have been yeah. just fine on the titanic sitting there going well sorry guys <laughs> yeah Maybe there was some like dark wizards or like dark magic, whatever, and then they were just like Accio Iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> right. Um so yeah, so so the greater plot, like the like we didn't really even touch on Ezra Miller at all in, no, in we didn't. spoiler Credence. review. Credence. Um You know, I thought that he did fine. I thought that, that was a that was I thought it was a good portrayal of a person in that uh mm-hmm. situation. I, I, yeah. I, I thought it was kind of telegraphed that he was going to be the obscurial and not the little girl. It, it had been too obvious for the little girl to be the obscure. First of all, you know that Ezra Miller's in the movie, and he mm-hmm. he's going to end up playing a bigger role. So, so it wasn't a shock to me when he ended up being the obscurial. You know, it was funny because it was kind of a surprise to me. Really? I, <laughs> yeah. Um... I did not... In, I liked the groundwork that was laid for it because I did too. Yeah, like like I don't say that feeling, as a critique of right, that yeah. that plot point. I sure. just you just saw it coming. Yeah. You yeah, you were you were, you know, there. And like when it was revealed and again, this might be because I just wasn't quite as um invested in the movie up to this point, but like I can I I started rethinking of earlier scenes like the uh the senator scene getting killed like that's directly because he he, he had called made the comment for, yeah yeah was an asshole <laughs> totally and then his uh his mother um or adopted uh, mother yeah it would yeah. have been like 
foster mother. Foster, yeah. yeah, it was like an orphanage. Yeah, and it's you know it was it was it was they laid the groundwork well, like they that was set up well for me. Um, in the ending, I, I thought um having the scene where where Newt is <laughs> he that's one moment where I really liked the character of Newt and Eddie Redmayne is he's trying to, he's trying to bring credence back. Yeah. And I, I like that. I, I, I like that a lot, but, and then the kind of shock of having, you know, the, uh, wizard police murder the kid was kind of, uh, kind of a, kind of an interesting twist, I guess on it or not twist, but you know, well, no, I, I, I agree. Cause you almost, I don't know. You you almost expect this to have almost a pleasant mm-hmm. outcome, and they're like, yeah. uh, "No, done with this." Right. I I I don't have. A, yeah, I like that concept, and I don't want to say it's like, "Yeah, I love that they killed Graydon's." To hell with that abused kid. Now, I, I mm-hmm. liked how they didn't just they didn't go for the easy ending on that. Right. It's 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 a dark ending. It is. It is, and I just I I like the way that that was handled. I think that had they had they have Newt, you know, convince him to bring him back and they have like his own little, uh, healing thing to bring him back. I think that, I mean, that ending would have worked, but this was a more, this is more intriguing. Ending. Yeah. More intriguing and more bold ending yeah. really. Um, and I don't, I don't know if this is the connection that they were wanting to make, but it kind of, I mean, kind of feels like we're at a time now where there's a lot of tension about you know people getting shot that by might be, authority i don't know that if that's might a be a stretch because first yeah. of all th- this movie has been in production for a few years and oh that's true. Th- this has been and that's been kind of a hotbed topic and mm-hmm. year and a half ish mm-hmm. so maybe maybe it was a critique on that maybe it wasn't maybe it's mm-hmm. a coincidence but i I'd, I'd find almost hard to believe that that was in the uh writer's mind okay. and it might have been maybe i'm wrong yeah. um but I, but I, there's definitely parallels there mm-hmm. yeah it's it, maybe that's more just something if you're looking for a connection to to our culture or whatever yeah. then maybe that's just maybe projecting onto it a little bit americans like to shoot everything <laughs> right <laughs> um uh so yeah and then we get the at the end the reveal the big reveal yeah which, which you, you know, I, I knew I knew that they'd cast Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. I, I knew that too. I knew that they had filmed scenes. I thought that those scenes were being filmed for the next one. Okay. So it was a genuine surprise for me when Grays ended up being Grindelwald and Pleasant. I yeah. thought it was fun. I thought really it was fun. yeah, interesting. Okay, I thought it was okay. I, I thought it was just okay. I knew that Depp was cast. <laughs> I didn't know until the day that I saw it that he that he was in the movie for at least a moment. So I kind of wish I didn't know that. But also, I really wish I didn't know. Like, I wish that I would have gone in and not, had not known anything about Johnny Depp being cast, not knowing anything about him being cast as that character, and then have that surprise be. Yeah. That would have been that more probably would have worked. Yeah, yeah. It, it was effective for me because I I like I said. I thought I had read, maybe I misread the article that mm-hmm. I read, but I thought that he had filmed scenes for the next one. That's already. what I was thinking too, until I heard that it was in the movie. Yeah. And so I didn't know that he was in this. So I, yes, it was a cool surprise for me. I, I enjoyed it. I think it would have been, it would have been better if 
I just did, like I said, if I just didn't know that he was cast at all, because I think that would I, oh, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. If I had no knowledge that Johnny Depp was mm-hmm. was in any part of this, that would have been an amazing reveal. Absolutely. But you know, the in the in the world of internet, it's almost impossible to not have something spoiled, especially especially in major films like franchises like Star Wars, Harry mm-hmm. Potter. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, and and I agree that is just part of the world we're in today. Um. So I didn't I didn't have a problem with it per se but I it wasn't like a big money shot at the end of the movie for me. I was just like, "Oh, cool." It's a shame that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that they weren't able to keep that more tightly hid. Yeah, and I I think that it would have been more impactful to me if cuz I mean, Grindelwald is this character that is introduced in the movie as, you know, this complete like this super evil and this character. era's Voldemort if yeah. you will. Yeah, and and that's one thing A I would have liked for it to be hidden him being hidden for at least the first movie, if not the first couple of movies, and kind of have that slow build to where you don't get him until Maybe, the story is kind know. of in the in in if, the if this if this is the focal point of this portion, I would rather see him. Maybe not the first movie, mm-hmm. but the second movie definitely. Sure, and and. In that case, yeah, that would maybe work better for this franchise because there isn't a – it doesn't seem like there's going to be a core group like the way the Harry Potter is. So you can't follow – like you can't – you you don't have this central character and group of characters that you're following through the story first and foremost. So like in Harry Potter, you know, Harry, Hermione, and Ron, they're experiencing the story, but everything – Everything is kind of in the background. Like right. all the bigger things are happening in the background. That's one of the that's one of the things that is the magic of Harry Potter is that that is an incredibly um, intricate and, and well done uh, plot or story device throughout throughout that whole franchise. Here, I understand that they're doing something different, so I can make my peace with that. But having the reveal of Johnny Depp and and showing this big bad character for the franchise as just being just like really brief introduction to him in his true form. I feel like that, I feel like that would have been, I feel like it would have been a lot better if it was like this huge reveal that showed just how dangerous he truly could be. Um, because where we get him, he's taken away and it's just kind of like, okay, like, well, he got caught. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like a Scooby-Doo mystery. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, Graves this. Oh, it was Grindelwald the, the whole, whole time. time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's... I don't know. I, I feel I, like that I, I get the critique. Better. Yeah. I still enjoyed it. Sure. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot more about this movie we haven't really well, touched on. I, I will say this. One of the things I loved about it mm-hmm. was the introduction of this new mythos in the Harry Potter universe of the Obscurial. Yeah. That is an amazing concept mm-hmm. to me and I adored it. I thought it was cool. The, the whole suppression of the mm-hmm. magic manifesting in something so destructive and dark it is just it's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. That's such an awesome concept and it fits so well into the universe and it fits so well in the whole new Salemers mm-hmm. as well as and the way you describe it, yeah, that's that's freaking amazing. That's that's a great concept, but I don't know something about it. Just I think the way that the information was delivered in the movie didn't feel like as 
strong as the way that you just put it. I think there was a problem with its introduction. First of Mm -hmm. all, you're first introduced into the Obscurial where they had – uh, Dan Fogler's character comes across mm-hmm. the obscurial that was taken from the Egyptian girl. Yeah. And he's just like, don't touch that. It's an obscurial. Well, this is the first time anyone has ever heard that term. Exactly. No one knows an obscurial is yet. Mm-hmm. The next time it's referred to it is when Newt Scamander is being brought in front of the American Ministry of Magic mm-hmm. and shown the devastation uh, of the senator mm-hmm. and his father. And he's like, oh, this, that that was done by an obscurial. And they're like that, there hasn't been one uh, documented since this. And you're still like, what the, what's an obscurial? Right. What are we talking about? It isn't until, you know, a bit later that you're explain you're told what the obscurial mm-hmm. is. So yeah, I agree. They did not do a great job mm-hmm. of introducing this to me, amazing new concept of yeah. the magic world. The movie could have begun with him taking the obscurial from from the little girl to introduce it. I think that would have been a great introduction to Mm -hmm. both the character and the focal point of Mm -hmm. the bad guy's intentions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would have gladly... Well, I think the movie would have benefited from five to ten more minutes just setting up setting things up a little clearer or clearer. and you could have cut a couple things out too yeah to, to make room for that. To, the, the, yeah. Zoo, the zoo scene wasn't my favorite scene me me neither the mating dance yeah uh that, that was that, that felt awkward for everybody it was it was I, I yeah it don't don't get me wrong i love the sequence inside the the suitcase it, yeah it was, oh, that it, was that was good but I yes the mating dance the mating dance was not really, snapchat worthy it was not snapchat. <laughs> you're, you are correct right you are correct um i love the uh the uh oh what was the name of the uh the beast the bow truffle truffle his his little uh, um, stick guy. Yeah, that was cool. I loved cool. I loved him. Yeah, I, I thought me he too. was great. And I, I like the relationship between sure. them. Sure. I mean that could have been, you know. Well, I I just I remember reading in in the in the books Hagrid mm-hmm. does a class on I think they're bow truffles. I I mm-hmm. can't re- recall the exact name. And I just in the in the point in the book it's supposed to be boring for the students as well because Hagrid's under the watchful eye of mm-hmm. uh an administrator at that point. Right. So even the books, I'm like, oh, that's a dumb creature. And here it is, <laughs> ends up being such a charming little, oh, yeah. uh, little character in the, in this movie. So I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. It, it makes <laughs> like, uh, it just, it makes me excited for, in a weird way, um, kind of on the same thing. I, it makes me excited for baby Groot and, yeah, well, I, can too. I can see yeah. that. That's, yeah. that's the connection my brain made. Uh, no, I get it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, did you did you think they got a little destructive porn at the end? <laughs> okay. Um well I am on record with having problems with with destruction porn. Right. And I think you're actually on record on this podcast. Uh, on with, the opposite with, end of it. With on the opposite side and with calling me out when I don't have a problem yeah. versus when I do. It didn't register with me this time. Man, I just thought they went overboard. I it's like they, they you tore you tore down everything you tore down yeah. the uncompleted Empire State Building mm. and it's just like okay we get it it's destructive I liked the scale of it um the whole time I was thinking how the hell are they gonna fix this like how is how how are they gonna fix this in a way that the world doesn't know about about the Wizarding World by the time Harry Potter comes Cue around. Cue the Deus Ex Machina. Exactly. I had a huge problem with that. Yeah, that was... Uh, it's like, remember this yeah. Venom that I alluded to earlier in the story? <laughs> well, it turns out if I mix it with this mm-hmm. giant bird... Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I did not love the resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was, I mean, no, I, did, I couldn't get behind it. Yeah. It, that part kind of took me back a little bit. And I was I was just thinking, like, man, this is far too convenient. Yeah, it exa- convenience. That's, yeah. that's what it um, boiled down to for me. It's it was too convenient and I mean it's just uh, I I mean granted it is nineteen twenty six but I mean I feel like enough time elapsed during that event that you know that's Someone not going to guarantee yeah. yeah granted you know they're they're not firing off tweets or snapchatting the stuff but right. I mean you know they can fire off a telegram <laughs> um, I was like holy crap you can't believe dot 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 SOS I don't know yeah. what's telegram yeah but yeah i i just then again you know if if slight word would have gotten out you would Mm -hmm. have had a whole city saying what are you talking about that didn't happen Mm -hmm. obviously but still i think the whole concept of the mixture of this alluded to venom earlier in the film Mm -hmm. with this oh you mean this uh animal also has the ability to affect weather patterns yeah it was far too convenient Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yes, that that took me back a bit. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of the romantic subplots? I was more interested in Dan Fogler uh, and that and the sister mm-hmm. than I was in uh, Newt and Tina. I agree completely. I was not. It's like I was genuinely heartbroken when mm-hmm. when Dan Fogler had to be had to forget about the entire Wizarding community. I community. did too. I I felt bad for him. I really did too, and I was hoping that there would be some reveal at the end that they he didn't have to, but they didn't give that to us. No, I, I was really wishing I, that. He yeah, would, uh, like she cast a spell to block him from the. Yeah, I like. I'm glad she came back, and and they're probably going to you know. Mm. You know, it's gonna be a floundering relationship, but man, right. I he he just he loved that universe. Yeah, and they oh, yeah. just ripped it away from. Dan. He was us in that movie, right? He, he exactly. Part yes, exactly. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, and he was great. And I I hope that he's if we if this franchise had a connected character going through it, I would hope that it would be him in, yeah. throughout it. But I don't know how they would do that. I hope that he's in the next one. I'll say that. Um, not only that, and this is just for because of my opinion of Dan Fogler. Mm-hmm. I hope being in such a high profile fan tr- franchise gives him the opportunity to be in other films. Me too. Me too. I, I I just I like him. I think he's a fun actor, and I, I would like to really see him succeed. Yeah, Dan Fogler for episode nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I would. I, I really hope to see more of him because he was the, he was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah, he was, um, he was his fun. character. And um, was John Voight random? Like, here's John Voight for yeah, a couple of scenes. Yeah, he was. It's like, yeah. why do we need John Voight for this? Don't get me wrong, I like John Voight. Me too. But I, I feel like that's just kind of a waste of John Voight. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then they had this at the end. He's just like the thing killed my son. And I'm like, okay, yeah, he did, but. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Like, uh, I was just like, all right. Your son cool. was a dick. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, we haven't been following you for an entire movie, so cool. I, I, we saw it, yeah, but I don't feel it. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy the, uh, the magical speakeasy scene? I did. I, I loved I it. Enjoyed I enjoyed that. that was great. A lot. I thought it was great. Yeah. Especially the, the giggle shots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was, that was fun. That was great. Yeah. That and just, just the idea of the speakeasy. Oh, right. That, I this mean, it's magical speaking. It's fantastic. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I love that as as just a concept because I, I I love um, uh, you know that that era and and that kind of like 
Boardwalk Empire, for all of its faults at the end, was one of my favorite shows when it was airing. Because yeah. um, I just I just love that idea. And I like that they incorporated part of our history in that. Right. Um, I, I love the whole concept of the American Wizarding World. And I, mm-hmm. I, I wish it would be explored a little bit deeper. But yeah. I understand they're going to go to other wizarding mm-hmm. countries. So, But it was, it was fun to get a taste of the magical world yeah. in, the, uh, in the United States. Yep, and I wish that 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 just makes me also wish that it was a book. I, I would love yeah, to have yeah, her. Yeah, I, I agree. Expand I agree. on it. Yeah, because I'm sure yeah. there's so much they and she's already come out with history of magic in the United States about mm-hmm. where it started and the names of the of the uh, different houses within the American uh, wizarding wizarding school, which the name mm-hmm. escapes me. It's an American Indian term, but right. Madge school. (laughs) (laughs) No Madge. Ah, come on. Yeah. Um. But the 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 uh, romantic subplotties of uh, Tina and Newt, I felt was kind of eh. yeah. Yeah. Not so far as to say unearned, but I just felt like it was just um. Well, they get married. Perfunctory. Wait, do they? Yeah. Seriously. Well, in the. the, or is this a thing that I should have read in the books before? This is I not, should have done my this homework. This is not for in the books. <laughs> this is in the written Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, written by J.K. Rowling. Okay. A.K.A. written by Newt Scamander. Mm-hmm. And there's a foreword in the book saying to my lovely wife. And it's so okay. if, if you are a deep mm-hmm. Harry Potter fan, you know that they're going to get married. Okay. Um, I liked the. Uh, uh, I enjoyed. I was intrigued by the element of the uh, of his backstory with um, Lestrange. Uh, what was the the um, the picture in the case? With is his, that it, who, his uh, girlfriend or is yeah. like the girl he pines over? Yeah, is that someone from? Isn't no. that really? it, it, well? If it is, I'm I'm unaware of it. I thought that it was okay. Who's Helena uh, Helena Bottom Carter? And she's uh, Bellatrix Lestrange. Lestrange. So they're related. It, was thing, she right? a Lestrange? I, didn't I think catch, so. Okay. Yeah, because because um, whatever word you called the one that can read minds. Uh, Oculumens. The Oculumens girl. Um, she was. I, I she said it, and I caught that name, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I I missed that then. Okay, and then because she even says like that family, and then then she stops saying it or anything. So very dark family. Yeah, uh, that I don't. That sounds. That sounds a little. <laughs> that's uh, that sounds like something completely different. Especially <laughs> 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 the Americas, isn't that right? <laughs> oh, yeesh. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that was the thing. I, I missed that. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Guess I'm a bigger Harry Potter fan. Such bigger. <laughs> right. B- bigly. <laughs> bigly Harry Potter fan. It's going to be huge. Oh, yeah. Um, you don't have any Harry Potter tattoos. No. Um, I might get one somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, the wife is currently planning her. She's getting a sleeve, Harry Potter sleeve. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Um, cool. Um, anything else to really unpack in this movie? There was the, the execution scene that I thought was pretty dark. Yeah. 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 Kind of crazy. That, that, that was, um, mm-hmm. again, like, and, and even that part I, I thought was a, kind of a critique on America. Um, mm-hmm. so quick to, to execute. Yeah. And, and uh, that I was, can, I can get behind that. I can get behind that critique. <laughs> I, I have, pro- I have issues with death penalty myself. Sure. sure. Um, 
not to veer off into you, that subject. I thought you were saying I can get behind us executing. No, I, let's I mean, kill everyone. I was no. like, I was gonna, I was like, in my head, I was like, okay, officer, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 oh, no. Um, uh, other direction, yeah. other direction. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, I thought that was kind of a. Not only was it a critique, I, I appreciated the the critique. Sure. So. Okay. And yeah, that was that, again. That was a very dark scene. Oh yeah, and in sudden, just really sudden. Like they, there was no. Maybe that's a fault on the movie. Also, it, it was really sudden in that I, I wish that there was more build up to it because like they're just like okay, execute them, and I'm like, they're like, whoa, don't, yeah. don't we get a trial here? <laughs> like, hold on, you guys were just referencing Dumbledore. I'm still putting that together, and then now they're you're gonna kill them. Like, wh- come on, guys. Like. Maybe get some suspense going. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which I did. I did like the Dumbledore reference. Uh, just throwing it out there. Did you catch that one too? Well, about how he was the backer behind uh, Newt's commander. Yeah. 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 But but then again, I I knew that going forward. I, I knew that uh, Newt's commander was kicked out of Hogwarts, and I knew that Dumbledore was an advocate of Newt's commander. So gotcha. Yeah. I just uh, it's been a while for me since I yeah. Well, I exposed. Uh, I have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Harry Potter universe, mm-hmm. so I I enjoy it. Turns out, good for you. Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I think that about covers everything that I have for this movie. Anything? Any parting thoughts before we wrap up? No, I think uh, we pretty much well covered covered a good good portion of it. Mm-hmm. Will you be purchasing it on Blu-ray? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, if I, if I own the first two Harry Potter films, which I almost at this point don't right. even like, I might as well own this one, which I genuinely enjoyed. And second mm-hmm. of all, there's no way my wife would let me get away with not owning this <laughs> film. So, right. no, of, right. course, it, of course it's going to be bought. Sure, sure. All right, so I think that'll do it for our yeah. review of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yep. Which you can think, find them. Think we found them? I, I think so. You you guys can go ahead and uh, find them at your local theater. Ha. 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 Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Uh, let us know what you think. Obviously, uh, you know, contact us via Twitter. What's your Twitter? You know? I don't even know. I At R A Fecus. All right. Well, apparently it's at R A Fecus. Right. Or, uh, or you know, join the Facebook group at Facebook dot com. Snapchat me. Yes. Nerdster three thirty. Oh. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> it's Matt, funny because Matt loves Snapchat. Snapchat. <laughs> um, the thing about that is Nerdster. Th- that that sounds like a, a handle that you would make as like a teenager, but Snapchat was not. You know, it's, I'm a it's nerd. Interesting. I'm a nerd, it, and three thirty was my unit number on late shift. So, well, there you go. Yeah. So, anyway, you can always bug Fecus in the Facebook group at facebook.com/slash/theobsessiveviewer. And uh, we're going to go ahead and go on to our poopery section, which is the section of the podcast where we kind of wind down the episode by talking about things that we've watched, things we're looking forward to, anything we want, as long as it smells good. That's what we refer to it as. And I have a couple things. One thing that I forgot to bring up at the top of the episode that I'll just kind of um, – ah, that'll be the second thing I bring up. So I'll, I'll get us kicked off, and then, Fekus, you can be in between my okay. things. So – Obviously, longtime listeners will know that um, uh, my regular co-host Tiny always has a thing for 
documentaries. So these so these episodes were where Feckus is in his place. It's a good reprieve from documentaries. <laughs> except for this episode. <laughs> so I watched Earbuds, the podcasting documentary. It is a documentary that I bought from comedyfilmnerds.com. Uh, which is a podcast hosted by Graham Elwood, who also directed the documentary. And Earbuds is a documentary about podcasting in in general. Um, uh, the IMDb uh, synopsis is a documentary exploring the deep personal connection between podcasters and fans that doesn't exist in any other medium. And I was very eager about this, and I was very happy to pay. I actually paid, I think it was eleven bucks for the HD. HD uh, version of it, digital version of it that has about an hour or I think a little more than an hour worth of bonus features along with it. And the great thing about that, and this is something that I am so happy that they did this, um, the digital copy is not like a DRM specific thing or anything. It's just, it's an MP4 file. They, they, they have a, uh, they give you a download link that's active for 48 hours to download it. Um, once you download it after 48 hours, that, that link is no longer active. And then you can have that forever on any device. I watched it on my, uh, PS3 that I put on my, uh, portable hard drive to play it on there. It's really easy and it looks great cause it's HD and, uh, it's a really well put together documentary. It really examines as the synopsis describes, it examines the, not necessarily the history of podcasts, but just like the, the, the feel of podcasts, like the, like the connection that podcasts have with it, with their audiences. And it's something that obviously resonated with me in a big way because a big part of my life is podcasting. And, um, (laughs) I actually, like, I actually noticed like, oh, I have that same, those same equipment that like, that's the mixer that we have. And that's the, that's the recorder that we use. And, um, so that, that was cool on that front, but, one of the things that it's not a critique of it, just as a general comment about podcasting and everything is that the mainstream, like I, I support anything that will bring the podcasting medium to a wider audience. Like totally. I didn't like Tusk like at all. (laughs) Um, and I don't even like Kevin Smith's podcasts at all, really. Um, and I didn't like, I didn't like Tusk's representation of podcasts because it was just morning shock jock things. It was things. a douche. Yeah. A douche in that, yeah. Yeah. But I respect that that was, a, that was the first movie in the history of movies or podcasting that was based on a podcast. Like, that was created from a podcast. The idea behind it was the inception of the idea came from a podcast episode, and I respect the hell out of that. Um didn't like the movie, but I like that it's bringing podcasts to a wider audience. Earbuds depicts the wildly, wildly popular and widespread genre of podcasts. That's, that's comedy podcasts. These, the podcasts that have massive followings because they are fronted by comedians and people with, with followings built in to an extent and social media and everything. So, in that respect, it's something that d- didn't really connect with me on that level because we're we're a movie and TV podcast. It is quite possibly the most competitive, uh, one of the most competitive podcast genres because everyone, like, we're not professional critics, so that puts us at a slight disadvantage. So we're not world-renowned yet. We have world, like, listeners from around the world, but we're not, you know, we don't have that type of audience. Um so and and yet 
Yeah, it's <laughs> yet it's coming. It's on but, the cusp. Yeah, but this is more of a you know comedy interview podcast genre that's depicted in in earbuds. Then that's not a fault because it's not purporting to um, depict every facet of podcasting. It's just a podcast uh, genre that that didn't resonate with me the way that um, that a movie and TV podcast documentary would. And that's not a fault on it. Everything is put together really well. Um, the emotion of the subjects, because they, they show both podcast creators and fans, and they show like um, uh, uh, Graham Elwood does comedy film nerds. That's that's what kind of uh, the impetus of, which is funny because it's a movie podcast, but anyway, huh. um, invalidates my entire point. Um <laughs> Basically, what I'm getting at is go and go rate us on iTunes and give us a positive <laughs> review, five stars <laughs> review. Thank you. Um, but anyway, um, um, it, it shows like them, like he he and his co-host they they met for the first time. They're like number one fan from like from around the world in Japan, and like we, I mean, like we have listeners, like we have one listener in in the UK that is just like one of our longtime listeners. And it's just, it's cool to see that kind of connection depicted in a documentary. Cause I feel like I have a connection with, with all of our listeners that are like not hiding and everything. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so it's a really interesting documentary. They, they show a lot of uh, the connection between the podcasters and the fans. And it also dives into a lot of the, um, the way that a lot of podcasts can resonate for people with like, with, with in hard times like there's a lot of things about people that are going through medical things and and uh mental illness and uh, gravitating toward podcasts whether it's listening to it or creating them and then that's something that really spoke to me and resonated with me because i i think that that's a really good depiction of the power of the medium um and also aisha tyler is in this documentary she has a podcast called uh, uh girl on guy and she's the voice of uh Lana. Lana? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I swear to God, she has a scene where she is talking about creating her podcast and the everything that goes into it and every like those words could have been coming out of my mouth and it would have been every word of it would have been true. Uh, because it's just my experience. Like w it's amazing that like she and I are having the exact same experience. So I need to marry her. But anyway, yeah, she's attractive. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, so anyway, it is a really good documentary. Um, earbuds, the podcasting documentary. You can buy it on comedyfilmnerds.com. I haven't gotten a chance to check out the special features yet, but you know, if you're a fan of podcasts, go buy it because it's this is a documentary. I believe it was kickstarted. I remember reading about it a while ago. Um. Like I said, my copy was eleven bucks, but they have standard definition that that's uh, uh, cheaper if you don't want to if you don't want to spend that much. But it's worth it, and it's, if you love this medium as much as I do, uh, it's a good way to support it. Or you can just donate to the Obsessive Viewer, <laughs> um, or become our pa uh, patrons Patreon. on Patreon. Patreon.com. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I mentioned that you know tiny always does documentaries and like one time he did a uh he brought up a documentary for potpourri about a documentary series about water, water. And I gave him a lot of crap about that <laughs> so so i've met the documentary quota for this episode so feckus what do you have uh for potpourri oh glad you asked matt it's going to be a documentary um <laughs> god damn it sorry 
Hey, look, it's, it's what I got to watch. Sure, sure. Well, is it like at least something like really interesting? Like, like you're a police officer. Is it something like really action packed and stuff? It to I thought it was fascinating. Um, just it doesn't at, bode well. That, no. I know. All right, all right look, uh, what I watch it's on Netflix. It, it's called a, a, a Galapagos Affair. Oh. Satan com- Satan comes to Eden. Oh, and right. Eden or Paradise, uh, either one. And it's a documentary about. A small island in the Galapagos that mm-hmm. three different sets of people decide to go inhabit. First of all, starting this off, I didn't even know that people lived on the Galapagos that weren't like zoologists mm-hmm. and biology researchers. So this all takes place uh, pre-World War II. And all three of these people who don't know each other or groups of people – are from Germany, mm-hmm. and they travel to this small island of the Galapagos Island to, to live there for, I don't know, a simpler, a simpler lifestyle, I suppose. Okay. The first family gets there, and he, what, this guy, he's a physician that quits his job as a visit, physician and take, you know, divorces his wife and takes this other girl who divorces her husband to go live on this island. And they think that this is going to be their island, and there's no one else is going to inhabit it. So this other German family just apparently shows up to start living on the island. Interesting. So they're cohabitating on this island together, and this this German guy is completely turned off with anyone else being mm-hmm. on this island. So this this entire perspective of this whole documentary is brought to you through the like diaries of the people that are living on the island. Interesting. So eventually a third set of people show up and it's this girl that calls herself the Baroness and her two like manservants. And she's like this ostentatious, like Paris Hilton of the 1920s character. So all three of these sets of people are living on this island and they all like kind of detest each other, but have to put up with each other. So eventually it gets to the point where I, they're on the island for like three years total, mm. and there there are some firsthand accounts of people that lived on some of the other Galapagos Islands that mm-hmm. came into contact with these three groups, and so you get some firsthand knowledge of these actual people. But the the Baroness talks about how she's going to make this island a hotel resort, huh. and she starts feuds with the other people on the island about possessions and property. And one of the male servants ends up killing her. And this is, this is all a document. Like I said, this is all true. So they play it off as it's like, Hey, look, uh, Baroness is gone. A yacht showed up yesterday and she went off to Tahiti and they're like, this is an Island. We all see everything on this Island. There was no (laughs) yacht that, that came. So, it's a remarkably odd story. That's really, you know, the way that you described it, and how much of that would be spoiler? Should I should I cut around that? No, just you, you know. Okay. I, first of all, I don't see everyone would be like, oh, I gotta go listen, watch this sure. this sure. documentary. But it just it was fascinatingly mm-hmm. strange. Well, the way that you described it, like the way my brain works, is that all I kept thinking was, like. <laughs> Like that could be you. You could be saying those words, and it could be a pitch to HBO to make an to make an original series. Right. Yeah, because that's that sounds really compelling, and I'm almost compelling enough to where I would almost apologize for being a smartass <laughs> earlier. 
But that does sound really interesting. It is it's the strangest thing I'd I'd ever seen, huh. like of a true story. I and I had no knowledge of this whatsoever. I just happened upon the documentary on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I was uh, bored, so I was like, "Oh, I'll watch this." And nice. I was in th- I was captivated of how ridiculous this entire scenario was. That is awesome. Yeah. And it was uh, it's uh, and a, a Galapagos affair. Mm-hmm. Satan comes to Eden, or yeah, okay, that's correct. Yeah, whew, it's give it a watch. It's hour. Nice. I want to say it's hour forty five minutes, but it's mm-hmm. for a documentary that's mostly talking heads and uh, some kind of like people reading reading the actual diary portions of it. It's mm-hmm. it's oddly captivating. Nice. I uh, I will have to check that out. Um. Awesome, and that's currently on Netflix, so check it out, guys. And, uh, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and round us out. We're kind of running a little long, but um, two things. One, uh, the trailer, this this will be brief. The trailer for Passengers, every time I see it, Love I want to see it so much so much more. That's what me and Cassie are going to see on Christmas Day. Nice, nice. So. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't freaking wait. It is um, awfully... Uh, convenient that the two passengers that get awoken are the two of the most attractive people on earth. So. Uh, yeah, you know, I just, just listened so to hot. I just listened to a podcast with Anna Ferris, and mm. I'm I'm quite okay with her being with Chris Pratt. She mm. seems like a hilarious, quirky girl. So she has a brief scene in the movie Keanu. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, and then so yeah, I'm really excited for Passengers. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. And the other thing I'm going to bring up is another trailer that I I don't know how this is going to sound. I or I don't know how to phrase it really. Um the trailer for Hidden Figures. Um, I don't think I've seen it. It has um oh man, hang on. It's it's kind of going to lead me to a little bit of a gripe, I guess. It's got uh, Taraji P Henson, uh Octavia Spencer, uh, it's the plot description is a team of African American women provide NASA with important mathematical data uh, needed to launch the prog- program's first successful space missions. I know what you're talking about. So, I love historical movies like that. I love the space program. It's the help in space. It, well, yeah. It, well, the problem that I have, and let me preface this by asking you, how did you feel about Remember the Titans? Uh, I enjoyed Remember the Titans. It's, okay. it's, fun, it's a fun movie. Yeah. What I. I <sighs> I kind of, I kind of don't like the kind of Disneyfication of one, like one of the most racially tumultuous of the, to, the civil rights era. The civil rights era, I, because that is such, that's such an ugly part of our history of of this culture. It is that I feel like having this, having it presented in a way in movies and this is one of my gripes with remember the titans because it's kind of it was the same way in that in that movie is like they go out of their way to make sure no one says anything yeah 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 it's very much like a uh um there was there was one line and like there's a line in the um in the trailer for hidden figures where it's like uh the three women are uh stopped by the police or or they have a flat tire or something like that or they have car trouble and the, the police officer stops and then he's like, where are you headed? And then um, they're like, oh, we work for NASA or something. And then he's just like, oh, I didn't know that uh, they hired. And then there's a pause. And then and then I think Octavia Spencer says, yeah, women. And it's just like, it's like, 
like I said, that it's such it's such a uh, uh, a terrible part of our history that I don't I don't like it being represented in this kind of like oh look how funny like you know subverting expectations for that it's it's an ugly part of our history and i just i just don't like that it's being depicted in a way that's that's so um sugar-coated i i get what you're saying however i think because the it these three ladies are are true true figures um that they they right right so that's a story that the mainstream public should know about uh, of these African-American women mm-hmm. that helped propel us to the moon. Like and, that, that's an important yeah. story to tell. Now, when you tell that story, mm-hmm. do we have to make it where, you know, it's, we show the horrible ugliness of racial tensions that not that I would ever sugarcoat that terrible right. portion of, but you know, this is a story that would, hopefully inspire Mm -hmm. young girls that probably don't need to be sitting through a movie watching these three ladies get called the n-word back and forth (laughs) and that's a very good point like and i i totally like that that is swaying my opinion right now like that you are 100 percent right and yes that if it can if it can inspire young women and uh young minority women also like that's that's phenomenal. Like that is that is really great. Um and yeah, and I agree. And I'll I'll concede my opinion slightly there, but I just I just I just don't like the idea of the civil rights era and movement in our history being disnified. Well, th- there's there's plenty of movies that do yeah. depict it in the violent horrific like mm-hmm. that it that it is however there should still be in a a series of media approachable to the younger audience Mm -hmm. that does show the bigotry as it was Mm -hmm. uh appropriately for their age so remember the titans does show that you know i I would feel comfortable taking like god forbid if i ever have heathen children (laughs) Like I'd feel comfortable taking like an eight year old to remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. In one aspect, it's it's not overly vulgar or hateful, but it still shows the the division of the yeah. nation and and the problems of the era. And that's true. It is a demographic thing. It it is it is tailoring a story, a true story to a specific audience to make it accessible to a wider audience. And, and that's fair. And, and I will concede my opinion to that because there are examples of other movies that have a more, uh, a more honest portrayal sure. of, of what it was like. Um, now w- would I take fine. that same child to go see Malcolm X? No, probably not. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah so i don't know uh that was just one of the things that came up when i um was was seeing the trailer for it and eh, i mean yeah and now that i've said it out loud and everything i i agree with you yeah it's not as big of an issue as i had with it and there are reasons like obviously it's it seems like it's more geared to a celebration of of like we we can show yeah. racial or civil rights era movies without the vulgarity that ensued and right. still get the point across and yeah. make it approachable for younger audiences. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of good media out there depicting the 
the, a more stark reality, right. which is neither is better than the other. I, both are just approachable to different audiences. Mm-hmm. So it's the nature of art. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, before I put my foot even farther in my mouth, let's wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so before we go, if, if you guys like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, my stupid opinions, notwithstanding, <laughs> um, the easiest way to do that is to go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Last time you were here, Fek, is we, we mentioned that you, uh, yeah, you, it was you good being here again. I appreciate you always, yeah. uh, inviting so me on. Uh, is that what your review says? Cause I haven't checked. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's really I easy. Get around yeah. <laughs> you and the chive. <laughs> me. Um, so anyway, the more ratings and reviews we get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results and expand our reach to, you know, maybe having, you know, as wide a reach as some of the comedy podcasts depicted in uh, Earbuds, the documentary. Um, and hey, if you guys want to support the show with your wallet, you can always do that by clicking the donate button on obsessiveviewer.com for a one-time donation or by clicking the donate link in the show notes of this episode, which can be found at, uh, um, at wow, obsessiveviewer.com slash OV194. And you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer where you can choose from several different reward tiers. Any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running and, uh, yeah, uh, and keep my cat fed. Not really. It's all going toward the podcast. Um, yeah, so uh, on that note, uh, thank you, Fekus, for once again coming over. And uh, Thank you for having me. me. It's always enjoyable. Nice. That is that is good to hear. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> yeah, so on that note, next week we're going to be doing our uh, Starbase Indie episode is going to be released. Our panel is on the feed. So um, until next time, thank you guys for listening. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next time. So, right. No, of right. course it of course is going to be bought. Sure, sure. Um more of a more of a tertiary or uh whatever uh question side tangent here. Um Do you guys have independent DVD collections? I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. Um Yeah, how how does that work? Well, here <laughs> there I are, ask as a single man. There are things. movies in her collection mm-hmm. that I allow to mingle in mine. There are I other see. movies that I will not because they're just god awful. Mm-hmm. And we we had this discussion last week where I told her that I was thinking about reorganizing my DVD collection mm-hmm. because right now it's an alphabetical. Well, that's fine, but I've come to the realization lately that sometimes I'm in the mood for a certain type of movies, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's hard to look through in an alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about breaking it down into genre, nice. and she is so anti that. Really? And I'm like, well, let's be honest. So the 400-some-odd movies, 97% of them are mine. <laughs> sure. So I should be able to – she's like, well, it's just easy for me to find an alphabetical order. It's like, I get that, mm-hmm. but it'll be alphabetized within the genre. Right. So I think I'll still do it. I don't know. Sometimes I, I might, I might have to side with her because sometimes I am really in. Like sometimes I'll sit there and think I am really in the mood for a J movie. That's a weird thing. Oh, you're being facetious. Okay. I am. I am. Okay. All right. Was, yeah. 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 That did okay. not land. Yeah, it did, <laughs> did not did land. land at all. Abort. Abort. Chance on the Bob. Yeah. Uh, I should have no. chose a different letter. But anyway. Um, 
Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I might do it with, regardless. Sit down with a twelve pack of beer one day and just go to town. I I approve. Yeah. I need to I need to do that with my collection. Um I my problem is I just don't have like that shelf space is not I'm scared to go through my collection because I know that I'm not gonna have enough shelf space for everything. I have bins of DVDs that I want to get rid of. I was gonna and, say I, I might purge some of my hmm. collection, which five years ago would have been unfair fathomable right. thought but now i'm like man you know what i'm i'm really never gonna watch alf season one and three yeah 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 i have those <laughs> i did not purchase those they were purchased as gag gifts but i kept them Interesting. Of, so yeah I'll get rid of one one three. am i gonna <laughs> right. yeah what one am i gonna watch this yeah so yeah like even just eyeballing my collection i have movies that i bought when i worked at blockbuster senior year of high school that i'm never gonna watch again yeah. probably uh the remake of assault on precinct yeah. 13 i saw it in the theater and never watched it again and i own it on dvd like i i bought uh, brotherhood of the wolf because uh, i was so into that movie because sure. it's so good and I haven't seen it since high school. Wow, huh. I might watch it again to see what if, how how I feel about it these days. Mm-hmm. But you know, have you ever heard of that? It's a, it's, no. a, it's a French movie. Okay, yeah, no, never. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, anyway, yeah, that was. Uh, I'll probably throw that at the end. Yeah, um, <laughs> and also just as a brief thing, I'll also my collection becomes more about collecting rather than. Um, movies I like, like okay, if my, I mine absolutely do, and mm-hmm. uh, I look at it this way: while I may not watch this movie twenty times before I die, mm-hmm. I buy it out of a sense of respect for the movie. Like I love, yeah. I, I enjoy the movie. I want to give monetary value to that movie, mm-hmm. support it. So I will purchase that movie. Well, I may yeah. watch it once mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. That's fine. I I approved so much of this movie that. You know, I, I want to add it to my collection. Right. Ab- absolutely. And uh, special features are also a big thing. Like, I I, I double-dipped on the Lord of the Rings extended editions on Blu-ray because, I, well, that was more just I wanted it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I got rid of the DVDs as soon as I got them on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm in the spin. I need, to, I need to sell my DVDs. That's what I want to do is I want to sell a ton of my DVDs. Like go on Amazon and sell them that way, and then just put all the money I make into the obsessive viewer checking account. Ah, so, not a bad idea. Yeah, um, but anyway, yeah, that's this is all the stinger. So I'm gonna take a break here, and then we'll go back to rounding up Fantastic Beasts. Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com, where we post movie and TV reviews, and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer, and follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. 
If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.